surely heard of hot flashes, maybe even witnessed hot flashes or experienced them yourself. But when it comes to menopause, that's just the tip of the iceberg. Turns out what most of us think is menopause is actually perimenopause, that roller coaster ride that leads up to the end of your reproductive years. In this episode, we talk with registered dietitian and menopause expert Suzanne Henson about the big life change that no one talks about. Suzanne shares her own perimenopause story and now how she's using it to help others. Let's dive in. Carolyn, planning for this episode and preparing for it has been a very educational journey for me. I'm still like, I'm still trying to kind of wrap my head around all of the knowledge about menopause, but really perimenopause that we've like dove into in the last few days. Yes. I have for all my 44 years until about four days ago, I really was not, did not really know what menopause was because menopause isn't, well, we're going to get into it, but it's really perimenopause that is like the trouble period. Yeah, and that's the big shift. Yeah. And, you know, we got a lot of requests to do an episode on menopause in the fall. And we we thought, oh, this could be good. But I think we also didn't know what to do with it. Neither of us are quite at that stage. Although, after listening to our interview on this episode oh, yeah. later, oh yeah, I wrote Briarly a note while we were doing it. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm diagnosing myself by the minute. <laughs> Yes, as our guest, who you will hear very shortly, is talking, and she, gosh, she's full of excellent information. All of a sudden, I see a little piece of paper get slid across the table to me, and I read, and I just started laughing. And hopefully, Suzanne didn't think I was laughing at her. But, yeah. Yeah. So, we want to tell you a little bit about what we learned, because I think what most people think is not right. Correct. We're going to talk about some symptoms that you haven't heard about that are very common and kind of how long this period lasts. And then we're going to jump to Suzanne Henson, who is who we are interviewing. And she has just gone through it. She said when she finally hit menopause, it was the best day of her life. She told her doctor I that, I, is, that. I mean, yeah, that was so funny but also i can only imagine that like that will probably ring true for a lot of other women who have gotten to that stage yeah well and we found suzanne i I knew her we've worked together in the past and she's a, a a friend and a colleague but suzanne her experience was so just kind of life altering yes um or just so hard for her to wrap her hands around and surprising to her that once she got through it, she really felt compelled to bring to to start talking about it with other people. And she's really brought this subject um, to the University of Alabama community through their wellness programs. And she's doing um, a class this spring on menopause. Yes. And the response has been crazy. Yes. I mean, I actually would like to attend the class, except for the fact that I'm not, you know, UA faculty or member of UA faculty. Maybe we can sneak you in. Yeah, no, maybe I can get a little secret guest pass or something. But but also, so listeners know, because we will go through her bio, is that she isn't just somebody who went through it and decided, like, oh, I'm going to carry the torch and enlighten, you know, women at this stage and phase of life. Like, she also... You know, because she is a practicing dietitian, because she counsels patients, you know, through the outpatient, you know, Mm -hmm. centers, she really noticed that she was able to connect with women and help them and let them know, like, hey, I've been there, too. And, hey, this is not, you know, the beginning of the end. Like, you know, you will get through this. This is a finite period of time, et cetera, et cetera. And it's that... I think because she's past it now, that really comes through she sees beautifully in her interview. Well, on the flip side, I very much remember being a young dietitian, late 20s, early 30s. I didn't do much counseling or seeing patients, but I did some. And I did some during my um, graduate assistantship. When I was getting my PhD. I very much remember feeling as this 30-year-old when these women would come in and they're like, I just can't lose weight. I, I do. I was like, 
I I don't know what they're talking about. Like, yeah, just cut back on the carbs. You know, like cut right. out the sugar. Like, and I knew I I almost feel bad felt bad telling them that because I knew there was something bigger, but I had no clue. And I was like. I don't know. Right. Yeah. Like here, I'm going to tell you what I've been taught, but I feel like something bigger is going on and I don't want to touch that with a 10 foot pole. And no. I don't even know who to tell you to go and talk to. Right. Yeah. It's, so it's a very really overwhelming bad. feeling when someone comes to you expecting you to have some answers for them. Yeah. So, yeah. and she has a really funny story, actually. She's got several funny, funny several funny stories, but she does have a funny one about how she feels like the, um, universe came back yeah the universe came back and and really dealt her a a rough hand at one point because of all of the quote-unquote advice that she used to give out in her younger years yeah so all right let's talk about perimenopause and why are we talking about it instead of menopause this was our huge aha moment it was it really was and it actually let's say it was your aha moment and as soon as you said it i was like oh Yes. Yeah. So let's give credit where credit is due. Okay. So when you hear about menopause and women are talking about hot flashes and just different symptoms or Inability going through to it. sleep. Yeah. Um, what they are really referring to usually is perimenopause. Once you hit menopause, then stuff kind of levels out. Yeah. You may have some stuff, some minor hormone issues and other things to deal with, but you're pretty, you know level what the the issues arise in this transition period called perimenopause and i just so really i can't even call it menopause anymore because it's perimenopause like you're kind of home free kind of like suzanne said i felt like i needed to go to a steak dinner when my doctor said you're in menopause oh yeah like you you hit the finish line when you hit menopause it's perimenopause that is just so cruel yeah cruel So let's talk a little bit about perimenopause and what it is really quick. Some of these stats or some of this info, did it kind of surprise you? Oh, it totally surprised me. And I promise you that once this podcast episode goes out into the airwaves, I will be sending it to every single one of my girlfriends because this little statistic that you found, Mm -hmm. that it can begin as early as the mid-30s. Or as late as the mid-50s, and it usually starts in your mid-40s. But it can also last from 2 to 10 years. The average length is 4 years, according to Cleveland Clinic. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm in that window right now. I'm in that window. Well, I think what's interesting is when we got, when this subject was requested, I think we were a little not sure how to deal with it because we felt we were very far from that. Oh, yeah, no, I should actually... I should tell you that when we got this issue, or sorry, that not this issue, when we had this podcast episode, I was thinking of magazines and magazine issues. But when we had this this topic requested for the podcast, I called my mother and I was like, "Mom, when did you start menopause?" I actually don't What'd remember she what she said. Uh, I need to go back. I'm pretty sure it was in, in her then. early fifties. And so now I'm well, then that's the thing is like I said, when did you go through menopause? Well, now I'm going to go back and be like, when did you reach menopause and when did you begin perimenopause? Anyway, whole point being is the reason I called my mother and asked her was because what you said, I was like, I mean, I want to deliver this information and I want to learn it so that I'm prepared for the future. I didn't realize how close I was to the starting line. For no, this. no, because the finish line is. Like the age you typically think of menopause. Right. You know? Um, the other thing is, I'm like, do I have brain fog or am I in perimenopause? I know, right? <laughs> I was thinking about that. I was like, is it because po- you're still a little post-COVID. Yeah. I'm like, is it post-COVID? Is it just the stress of life? Like you have a, a, a preteen and a teenager. You know, is it that? I'm not actually absolving myself of any of this. I could go through my own litany of things. And then all of a sudden it's like, wait a minute. Yeah. Is this perimenopause? Well, and I am five years older than you. And yes. I did. I realized I did go to the doctor, and I have a fabulous doctor. It's the same one that Suzanne goes to that she'll mention. And she's very good about running hormone levels. And she said, I guess I saw her Monday. She said, okay, you're not, you're not in menopause. But now that we learned all this about perimenopause, I'm like, what does she mean by that? I could be in 
perimenopause. I, I don't know. know. I'm going to have to follow You're up. You're going to have to follow up. But anyway, peri- and when you do, because she's not taking new patients, she's only seeing family members, that's when you need to lay the foundation that I am your cousin. Yeah. Yeah. She'll only take family members. So, yeah. Yeah. I'm your cousin. Yeah. Okay. So, perimenopause is essentially what's happening in the body is the ovaries start to produce less hormones. The body's essentially transitioning to the end of its reproductive years. Wait, do you remember Suzanne had a really funny story? She didn't tell us on the recording, but she told us leading up to it that when she was going, when she knew she was in perimenopause and she was going through an assessment with one of, with her doctor, that she went in and she had her, she had some version of an ultrasound done, Uh right? And they wanted to look at her ovaries, I guess. Oh yeah. And the ultrasound technician couldn't find them. Oh yeah, and it was like this young woman who was like, "I they just had, like, don't think they're back there." Up in her yeah uterine wall, I guess. And or... then the doctor had come in and was like, "Oh no, no, honey," to like the young uh, ultrasound tech. No, no, no. When you get to this stage of life, they're like tiny, shriveled up walnuts. Yeah, look harder. <laughs> I remember that, but I, I remember more from that. That she told us is, she said that ultrasound was the most invasive one she'd ever had, and she felt like she needed to go have a cigarette after. Yes, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, we're getting off subject, but um, basically, what happens? It's marked by a drop in estrogen. Perimenopause is, and as estrogen decreases, it throws off the balance of progesterone which is another hormone produced by the ovaries. And these start to decline and they fluctuate. And that's the thing I've learned with hormones. One is off balance and that messes up everything. And that can include like thyroid hormones. Right, right. And I mean, so if someone has had a child and they've, you know, I guess had a pregnancy where they either were interested in this or they needed to pay attention to it or whatever, you're very aware of the fluctuations of estrogen and progesterone and how it makes you feel as a human. I am not. I mean, I le- I've learned it when I need to for a study, but it's overwhelming, all those hormones. Oh, yeah. And I yeah. didn't le- – thankfully, I never had to deal with fertility issues. I think you really get to know them when you're – Exactly. I think if you there. if you have any struggles there, you really understand yeah. what the, the uptick and drop in those – two hormones specifically like what it does to the way that you feel yeah so it's caused by that and it's these hormone levels fluctuate all during perimenopause and essentially it's like going up and down on a roller coaster and this is that transition period that can last for two to ten years that when people talk about menopause i think this is really what they're referring to they have to be also for the record i hate roller coasters I do too. I do too. Also, how do you know you've reached menopause? When you have gone 12 months with no period, you were there. So I guess you're kind of having random periods sometimes in there. Yeah, and you're just hoping that you go one more month without it because then you're getting closer to actual yeah. menopause. Yeah. So, so let's talk about the symptoms. Yeah, because I feel like all you hear really is about hot flashes. Yeah, or sweating. And people which is hot flash too, but Yeah. And people like really kinda just like I mean, kinda blow it off. Oh yeah. Remember we went to lunch a few months ago with a friend and she was like, Oh and it was hot and sunny and she's like, Ooh She's like, Am I this might be a hot flash that I'm going through right now. But yeah. People kinda make And fun it's of just them. kind of yeah. like, you know, Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Should we get you some ice water? But there are a lot of symptoms more symptoms and a lot that Suzanne dealt with that were so surprising to her. And I think this, these, some of these that we're going to list are going to be so surprising to our listeners. Yes. Yes. Do so you, do you like me to list them you, or you want to do it? Well, let's start with the ones that we feel like are pretty common. That okay. We, that maybe we've heard about or maybe listeners have heard about. Okay. Good idea. So heavier or lighter periods than normal, yeah. you know, and kind of very, you know, over that two to ten years. Weight gain, and particularly Ugh. in the abdominal area. And Suzanne's going to talk a lot about that. As she says, she felt like she just looked down one day and she had like this second body part. Yeah. Other body part. And she's going to talk about she when she hit menopause, it was easier for her to get off. Um, and so she's going to talk a little bit about that and then kind of what she's learned like diet-wise. Yes. So, um, I, This one... 
people may not know, but it, it makes sense. PMS like symptoms that are often worse than they previously were when you were younger. That is kind of scary. Well, That's I'm thinking about one or two friends I know particularly well um, who just really struggle. Like they are a different person when they are PMSing. Yeah. And I'm just... Yeah, I I can't imagine because you know subconsciously that that's what's going on, but you don't, at least I don't, want to A, admit it, and I surely don't want anybody to use it as an excuse for my behavior because uh-uh. that's just offensive. Uh-uh, uh-uh. So a few other th- ones that people are probably familiar with, um, insomnia. And that can be not being able to go to sleep, but it can also mean going to sleep and then waking up in the middle of the night and not being able to go back to sleep, which yeah. I did that last night. Yeah. And Suzanne talks about it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Night sweats. So your hot flashes, your night sweats. Um, I feel like um, pajama makers and sheet bed sheet makers really are missing out on a target demographic here. Yeah. Although I don't know if it'd do much. It probably wouldn't, but yeah. they could make them feel like it. Um, a few other things that people may have heard of, loss of sex drive. Um, but let's talk about the other ones that you don't really hear about. Yeah, yeah. Um, that are just as common, I feel like. So hair loss was a surprising one to me. Well, and we mentioned hair loss in an episode earlier this spring because we felt like everyone started talking about it, particularly started around COVID. But now I'm just wondering... Is it just the age we're at? Is that why everybody's losing hair? Exactly. But essentially, estrogen and progesterone keep the hair growing and make it grow faster and stay on the head longer. Right. Which explains why many women get thicker, you know, stronger, whatever, hair when they're pregnant. So when your estrogen and progesterone levels decline, hair growth slows and hair loss becomes more pronounced. Mm-hmm. So, I love how it says more pronounced. Yeah. So, um, you know, I don't know if we can blame COVID on the hair loss. It may just be our circle of friends. Our circle of friends <laughs> that are all going through perimenopause. Okay. Um, heart palpitations, heart racing. That was really surprising to almost me. Almost like Suzanne describes it as almost like a mini panic attack. Right. That kind of comes out of nowhere. Yeah. Um, headaches. Okay. A big one here. And Suzanne's going to talk about this. Decreased ability to concentrate. And as you say, when we talked to her, it's almost like she became temporarily had ADD or something. Yeah. The way that she talks about it, I, I, I thought to myself, I thought, man, if that were me, I would have thought, like, did I just, like, develop an adult case of ADD that I've never had in my entire yeah. life? Yeah. And this is that's why I was like, do I have brain fog or am I perimenopause? Mm-hmm. You'll hear more. But that is one I never have heard of. Um, having to go to the bathroom more frequently. Mm-hmm. Um, mood changes, irritability, depression, mood swings. And I think we, we would be remiss to say, like, I'm sure that weight gain that is really stubborn and will not come off adds to that. Oh, depression. yeah. Or or also, so she talked about, like, GI issues that she had or mm, you think about yeah. hot flashes. Like, oh, yeah, let's be in a social gathering and it's wintertime and all of a sudden you're stripping off all of your clothes down to a tank top because you're having a hot flash. Like, yeah. that to me would make me, like, irritable and give me a mood swing and, and because I'd be like, I'm just uncomfortable and I don't yeah. want to be uncomfortable in this situation. Yeah. Like, yeah. let me be uncomfortable like this at home. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's see. Forgetfulness. That's a big one that she talks about. UTIs, muscle aches, increase in cholesterol. And Suzanne does mention this. Your risk for heart disease goes up because as soon as that estrogen starts to drop, your risk for heart disease goes up. Yep. And that's why we see many women have heart disease, strokes, those sort of things later than men do. And I don't know if most women know that that is connected to their hormones. Their heart disease risk. Right, that's a good point. I do want to go back to one thing. Suzanne mentioned she has GI issue. The GI issues were one of her symptoms, and she doesn't go into it much. But I do. I think it's helpful for people to know that you know she was like, I never had these in the past, and she's like, if it, they were like ones where like you don't want to be far from the bathroom. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, not just some bloating that kind of right. thing. Right. Exactly. That kind of thing. Exactly. So. Lots of awesome, awesome symptoms. Um, really fantastic. But but I think the big thing that it as we go as we've talked about, like 
all of the the symptoms and when it starts and when it might stop and how long it can and and in talking to Suzanne that we really realized is that this is a topic that put aside the fact that people talk about menopause but really they're probably talking about perimenopause in addition to that it's not a topic that really we talk about in general like we talk about puberty with our children we talk about pregnancy with our significant others and our family members but i've never been at a social gathering and really talked about perimenopause or menopause beyond a hot flash as i was telling you as we were talking about this and after our pre-interview call with suzanne i was like this is perimenopause is like a major life change, just like moving, divorce, marriage, having kids, new job. It's just physical. And the only other really physical major life changes we go through are like puberty, you said, or pregnancy. And pregnancy, you feel comfortable going to people. You feel comfortable going to friends, coworkers who've had babies and asking questions and that kind of thing. But perimenopause... I think you're probably you don't want to offend somebody by going to ask them. Right, that's a good point. <laughs> and I think you probably feel somewhat isolated and probably alone. I mean, people just don't talk about it. And what's worse is we kind of like blow it off. Oh, hot flashes. She's in menopause. You know? Yeah, yeah. But that's, I mean, that's not terribly offensive, but it's definitely not supportive, and it doesn't portray the whole picture. Yeah. So. Well, I think it probably goes back to the medical community. And I think back to the life cycle textbook um, that I even have taught from recently where they talk about the different stages in life and what you need nutritionally. I think I don't think there was even a paragraph on menopause, maybe like a sentence or two. No, I think that most of what you and I probably have encountered is when we look at research studies now, it will differentiate whether or not the women were peri or were postmenopausal or not that's like a cutoff point right that they'll that they'll say and usually I feel like it's because they're looking at like metabolism or muscle mass or bone health like all things that are you know that are changed as a result of getting to menopause yeah so it's a major life change that I think women or I definitely understand now many women way underestimate like this is an event that lasts for a couple of years usually yes um and i don't think i really understood it until i did some of the research but what really made it hit home is talking to suzanne yes and she so we're going to bring her on in just a minute but she does a really good job of validating the experience Mm-hmm. and giving some tips and tricks. And she does it with a lot of humor, which, again, is why I want to be able to get a guest pass to her yeah. class. Well, and she she's gone through it. She recognized there is such a need for pe- for women to have resources and be talking about it. And she's really bringing a voice to it Yeah, with her work. Yeah. So let's bring her on. So, Suzanne, I'm excited to have you on today and – our listeners don't get to see you, but I get to see you. And it's nice to have this face-to-face conversation. I remember we had been, we, and when I say we, I mean Carolyn, and I had been toying with this idea, how we really wanted to cover the topic of menopause on the podcast. And she, I, I feel like it was like a couple months later, she, you know, she brought up the fact that she's like, oh, Suzanne is like, starting to teach this class like she's got so much information and we definitely need to get her onto the podcast well we're finally here and also i feel like i got a re-education that really what we're talking about is perimenopause not menopause right it's it's the that period leading up to the time that the reproductive years kind of are over that blew my mind in our pre-interview call That clicked in my head finally. And I realized most of their symptoms that are so life-changing or or just problematic are occurring during that perimenopause stage. And I'd never, kind of blew my mind that I didn't really, that I hadn't fully understood the concept until then. And you have been very vocal about sharing it through your, through your position. You, you um, speak on various health topics 
um, with employees and faculty at the University of Alabama as, where, as well as other places. And you've had such great reception from people because you are willing to talk about it. And you now are willing to say, I have hit menopause and hallelujah. But you're bringing a voice to it. And I kind of discovered your interest in this or what you were doing because I heard it from other people and they were just like, you got to contact Suzanne. Like, and you really, so you really are bringing a voice to this by sharing your story. So I really appreciate you sharing kind of what your perimenopause transition was like, because it it sounds like it was somewhat life altering. It, it, It really was. And for someone who, I mean, I prided myself on so many things on, having a very high energy level, um, being able to remember the names of pets of my uh, students, you know, when all of a sudden I couldn't do those things anymore, it just, it shocked me. And I kind of started exploring, okay, what's happening to me? And so it was a personal journey, but now we want to share that with others um, that I work with um, on the University of Alabama campus. And, um, and then also just to my, the patients that I see on a day-to-day basis. You may not have known it was perimenopause, but what were some of the first key symptoms where you like, where you were like, something is not right? Right. Um, I think for me, it was all of a sudden I couldn't sleep. One, two o'clock in the morning, I was as wide awake as I was at nine o'clock in the morning. Oh, man. And it was so, yeah, it was so frustrating because um, it was impairing my work life, my personal life, I was so tired all the time because I wasn't getting adequate quality sleep. So that was was one sign of something is not right with me. Um, and then the second thing is all of a sudden, like I would be in bed trying to sleep and then I would just, the sheets were soaking wet. My pajamas were soaking wet, the sheets were soaking wet, and I just felt clammy. Um, all night and and it was just it was miserable wow i have to tell you a funny story um my youngest will still come get in bed with me from time to time or he'll fall asleep when we're watching a movie or something we saw some ad for a mattress that was like a cooling mattress and griffin was like mom you need that you sweat in the night and i was like thanks bud thanks Oh, oh, no, no. I started looking at, I think it was somewhere around 2016, I invested in what at the time was called a yoga bed, because I thought, oh, maybe I'll get more quality sleep. Uh Um, And then I started investing in different sheet sets, thinking I'd get more sleep. And then I added uh, a couple of fans to my bedroom. Um, In addition to the ceiling fan that's that's already there, I had I had multiple fans um, in the bedroom. Yeah. And so, so I will be completely honest. I do it maybe like three to four nights a month. My doctor has said, has, has said I'm not in menopause, but then this whole perimenopause thing, I don't know. I need to ask her about that, but it's not bad, but it's like regularly like three or four nights a month. Was yours more frequent than that when it really hit? I, I, would, I would say mine was more frequent. Um, I guess in Thinking back, it seems like it was more frequent now, whether it was because that's been several years ago now, um, I couldn't really say for sure. But just, uh, it, you know, it's kind of like you had the car wreck several years ago, but it seems like it was just yesterday. Yeah, um, that's yeah. kind of how it was for me. So what triggered you to like to take the next step of, OK, I, I need to go investigate what is going on right now? Well, it was my quality of life was impaired. Um, my, my energy level to, um, to get my work done, remembering what I was supposed to be doing. Um, in addition to just all of a sudden, like I would be in the shower washing my hair and then I have all this amount of hair coming out and I'm like, what is happening? Um, also I started having some, um, GI issues that I had never experienced before. And it's like somehow my body's just not, something is not right. Something's and off. so something's off and, and I've have always been pretty in tune with myself and, um, and just something I, I would tell people that I would tell my own doctor, I'm not me. I'm not me right now. And I need to get me back. I want her back. Yeah. 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 So, and I guess at first, all of these are such like not minor little things, but they're not things you necessarily would go to the doctor about. Like, 
Right. You know, um, so tell us real quick before we jump in to get learn some more about your experience. But were there any other symptoms that particularly ones that people don't necessarily associate with perimenopause that you had? Okay. Uh, for me, well, I've mentioned loss of memory, but being able to concentrate was for me more difficult. Staying on task became more difficult. Hmm. And, um, and so that was something that I'm like, what's this again, I'm not me what's happened to me. And, um, so those were some things that, you know, it's just like all of a sudden something's changed. Not sure what it is, but something's changed. Yeah. Yeah. And I, you did say, I mean, it was so, you said, I'm not myself. And you said it was almost like an out-of-body experience. Like it, you were just not yourself. How long were you experiencing those symptoms? And then you like went to the doctor, I'm assuming gets, got some diagnosis. Like give us like a little bit of a time frame here. So, so it's, it's some more context for listeners. Okay. So for me, I guess it was probably towards the latter part of my like 44th birthday coming up on my 45th birthday that something I had begun really looking into it. And so right around um, my 45th birthday is when I went to my primary care doctor and said, can we please have a conversation? Because I don't know what's happening. And then that's when she was like, okay, here's what I believe, you know, is, is happening to you. And, um, and let's start monitoring these symptoms and, you know, begin looking down the road at doing, um, you know, testing hormones. And thank goodness we go to the same doctor. So I know, thank goodness you went to a doctor that is very in tune to hormones and that's kind of her specialty. You know, I'm imagining other people may go to doctors um, and just be like, you know, get blown off because they're not sleeping or, you know, just you're in menopause. There's nothing we can do, you know. Yeah. And I I certainly have gotten referrals in my own practice where I'll get women who come in and say, you know, my doctor told me to come see the dietitian, um, that maybe I have a food issue, that I'm not eating the right things. I'm tired all the time. I'm having some GI symptoms. Um, I can't sleep well. And so maybe you can help me think, you know, determine is it what I'm eating or not eating? Um, and that's why they're here. And I listen to them. I'm like, and I look at the, you know, the age and I'm like, oh, well, you're 47, 48. Let's, you know, here's the questions to go back to your doctor and ask, you know, I can certainly look at what you're eating or not eating, but, um, you know, you might want to go back and have a conversation with your primary care doctor about, should we be testing hormones? Yeah. Well, can you touch just a little on the weight gain? Because I, that is just a, a big one that's just as a dietitian, I know that's when you start seeing women gain weight in their abdominal area, which is not usually right. a place women want it to gain weight or they want to gain weight. But and it was as you said, you had counseled patients for years who were probably going through menopause. And tell the story that you told us, um, and a little bit about your weight, weight gain experience. Oh. Oh, absolutely. Uh, so in my early 30s, um, from about 30 to 35, I was working uh, um, in a wellness program and um, I would have women come in and they would grab their abdomen um, right below the belly button and they would say, what is this? What can I do about this? And being you know, young and not really thinking about anything else, but, oh, it's what you're eating. You're not exercising enough. And I've laughed to my patients today as a soon-to-be 51-year-old. Um, I think that the forces of verse made me pay for telling women to, you know, you just need to exercise more um, <laughs> during that time frame. Because now that I myself laugh uh, several years ago, I'm like, all the belts in my closet are being thrown away. I don't need them anymore. I can't wear them anymore. And so when I experienced that personally, it was like, Oh, this is what this is what they were asking me, and so now I relate that to my patients to say, uh, I didn't really understand what was happening in in their bodies, and then later my own. And nothing had really changed in your eating. It was truly hormonal, and did you just kind of wake up one day and be like, "Where did this come from? What's going on?" 
Right. Oh, no, I, I well vividly remember sitting at my desk at work and just all of a sudden kind of feeling my my midsection and going, wait, what's just happened here? Yeah, I, I can like it's like a different part. Of, I mean, it's like an extra body part has come on. <laughs> and um, and then it was just it was so odd. And then all of a sudden I had always carried weight in my hips and that weight was starting to kind of move a little bit. I'm like, what happens overnight that that the the fat from my hips is moving up to my abdomen. So yeah, I, I will remember the day that I just I grabbed my midsection and went, something's changed. And there was you found very little success with diet, I'm assuming. There's just yeah, little I, you can do. I, I did right. I didn't find much success with diet. I mean now I have I made changes as I've been through this process, absolutely. Um, I don't, I recognize that I don't have the leeway I did at age 30 and, you know, going out and having the extravagant or special meals that are, um, you know, a little richer, et cetera. I don't do that as often today. Wow. So, so tell me a little bit about, you know, as you started to realize what was happening, um, you know, you obviously you went to the doctor, they, you know, she took some hormone levels, et cetera. Like what, tell us a little bit more about some of like the big milestones in that time period that were really difficult and kind of how you either successfully or like unsuccessfully managed them. Yeah. And were there, did the doctor have any solutions for you during that time period? Absolutely. Um, I think one of the, the, greatest challenges that I personally had was my lack of energy of just feeling fatigued all the time. And, uh, and, you know, and my, my doctor said to me, does it feel like going to the grocery store is a major event for you? And I said, absolutely. I, you know, being at home is, is, and sleeping or napping is the best thing for me. And, and I never really found a good solution for that. But um, but the lack of energy was was a definite milestone. Um, the not being able to remember things or being able to concentrate, I had to work differently and begin to you know it's like okay you're gonna you have to make notes about it. You can, you're not just going to remember you know different tasks that you have to do. You've got to start making some notes and and then the ability to concentrate. It's like okay, telling myself stay on task, stay on task, or the way I organize my work day has got to be different. Okay. It's not just do a little bit here, do a little bit there. So those were some, um, some major things. Can you speak to a little bit more about how you personally rearranged your work day? Like what, what, what did you do? Okay. Well, for me, it was more, okay. Look at blocks of time in which I can devote to things. Mm -hmm. So for example, when I'm seeing patients, I have small pieces of time between patient visits. So maybe just answering an email here or there or a phone call, that's a good time to do um, to do those things that are just going to take a minute or two. But projects that I need to work on that I need to devote a significant amount of time to put those during times when I'm not seeing patients and I am at my desk and um and able to, to focus on that and not be distracted by other things. Got it. Okay. That makes sense. I mean, in some ways I feel like what I hear, what I hear you take, saying is, and I, and I want to be super clear that I'm like not, I am not a physician here, but it almost sounds like you developed like a, a temporary case of ADD. It, it almost was, I almost started to ask my doctor to test me yeah. <laughs> because I had always been able to get tasks done and, um, you know, execute, um, execute projects. And all of a sudden it's like, wait, I still need to do that. Or, oh, I didn't send that email or, oh my gosh, I never responded to that call. And so it was just trying to figure out how to work differently. Um, and I know, um, you know, your, um, you know, those who listen in um, to your podcast won't be able to see my office, but I have a wall calendar, a 12-month wall calendar. I have the calendar on my phone and the calendar on my email. <laughs> 
And so between all of those things, uh, I try to be able to keep up with what needs to be done and when. Yes. And I love post-it notes. People who work with me would tell you I love post-it yes. notes. So. Well, and so here's the thing, like, um, at the risk of offending some people, maybe even you too, Suzanne, like, I, I feel like some of our listeners who are in the thick of it raising their kids right now, right? Like, I think about that. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm like, I've got a wall calendar. I've got a Google calendar. I've got an Excel spreadsheet with my ex-husband's schedule, like... But typically, when you hit perimenopause, whether you've had children or not have children, you're at that stage, maybe, hopefully, where, like, they might be out of the house where you're not juggling, like, softball practice and soccer Mm -hmm. practice. And so you might not – you might be at a point in life where you're like, I don't understand. Why do I need all of these calendars? But I'm seeing your wall calendar. I'm actually very envious of it, and I would like to get one myself. (laughs) (laughs) Well – and Suzanne, I feel like having worked with you, like we're a lot alike. We're kind of type A. We like to get stuff done, checked off the to-do list. I have to imagine that this new you or temporary you was frustrating just mentally. Like was frustrating to you or almost like depressing somewhat and not being able to get stuff done, forgetting to follow up with people. Right. That's, I mean... Because, I mean, we did work together, um, you know, in the past, I think, I think I was in my, yeah, I was in my 30s uh, or late 20s when we worked together. And, you know, just realizing, wait, I don't know that I'm the person who could do that job anymore or, you know, Mm. who needs to commit to certain things. Maybe I need to commit to different things now and step back, particularly with the fatigue and everything is not over committing any longer and just saying I can do these, you know, A, B, C, D things, but I don't need to take on what I took on when I was 35 years old. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. And so did you find when you were kind of in, in those really hard moments, like, did you feel like you saw any signs of depression or were you anxious because you felt like you weren't you? I mean, I don't, I'm not trying to put words in your mouth, but I'm just kind of curious, like what your mental state was beyond like frustrated. This is not me. Yeah. It sounds like you're at a good place now and you're able to say like, no, I can't do that. But getting to that place, I'm imagining, cause I'm, I'm just thinking of myself getting to that place had to be hard. Right. Well, I mean, I was the person who, I mean, as an undergraduate college student, I had six internships in two years. Oh my I, goodness. You know, um, I remember by age 32, 33, I was like, oh, well, I've knocked off the things that I wanted to do and what's next. And um, and so all of a sudden thinking, where did she go? (laughs) Because this this person wants to stay at home all the time. And, um, you know, when I'm not at work, I want to be at home and I love to try to sleep even though that was not successful, um, naps became, I thought, my gosh, I'm like a toddler. I need to nap <laughs> when I'm, <laughs> when I'm in my off time. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, it was, it was pretty interesting to, to kind of step back and go, who is this person and how do I need to manage her life now? Wow. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I, well, there any okay. other, like just big changes, nasal symptoms, that we hadn't touched on that you weren't expecting or that really kind of changed your life temporarily while you were going through perimenopause? Um, I think, you know, there were some things that, um, Riley, you mentioned anxiety. Okay. Mm-hmm. And it was all of a sudden having these anxious feelings or having what felt like, like heart racing and thinking, mm-hmm. oh gosh, what's happening. And it was like a little mini panic attack mm-hmm. in retrospect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, um, and it's like, wait, where's the, the, you know, collected, calm, cool, collected person who is all of a sudden having this little, like, you know, driving to a different city and kind of going, oh gosh, is everything going to be okay? So that was, that was odd for me. Um, and I will say, and I mentioned earlier, um, the GI symptoms, all of a sudden having GI symptoms was, was odd. And, um, and so, you know, I addressed that with my doctor and she said, oh, no, that's part of it. Wow. I never knew that. Well, what, I mean, I know there were no great solutions in talking to you, but what were solutions um, that alleviated stuff or are you just 
were you just kind of along on this roller coaster ride for what'd you say six years five years about um, I put it at about six years okay. close to six years maybe five and a half to six years and um, towards the uh, you know initially it was like okay wait what's happening why are the sheets soaking wet um, why am I looking for you know going out and buying um, box fans or standing fans to go in my bathroom well so when I put on my makeup I'm not too hot um, you know it went from that to kind of realizing you know don't don't commit to this or only plan you know like to meet up with friends for dinner on a Friday night when you know that you can sleep more the next day okay? mm-hmm. so just kind of transitioning to that and um, and, and then again kind of having to change how I worked. Yeah. So when we chatted before I, before this call or this recording, rather, you told this story. I I think this story is going to stick in my mind forever. I don't remember what you were doing, but you were doing, you had a presentation and you shared a picture of your bedroom. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Can you tell listeners that story? Because that is, I mean, that was five seconds of our conversation, Suzanne, but it is sealed in my memory forever. Well, I think it's so funny. And, and, and I think back on that photo, um, I shared it in a presentation, as you said, and, and I was talking about, you know, kind of trying to relax and um, kind of decrease, uh, you know, stress, stress reduction. And I showed a picture of my bedroom and I had my, you know, several different um, fans going. (laughs) I had my um, essential oils diffusing for relaxation. I even had a salt lamp or that salt rock lamp. And I thought, well, maybe that glow will will help me sleep. (laughs) And uh, a woman in the audience who is, was probably about 10 years older than me. She looked at me and she said, that is the picture of menopause. (laughs) (laughs) And I laugh because I think back to those, that 30 to 35 year age range when I, you know, I was that naive um, healthcare provider who said, oh, that, that, that abdomen that you've got, you just need to exercise more, change what you're eating. I remember being with a colleague at the time and we were at a gathering, a work gathering, and somebody had brought a cake, but they had forgotten to bring a knife to slice it or anything to serve it. So it's kind of like it was just piece you know, pieces had been taken out of it. It was disheveled looking. It was just a mess. And my coworker, who was in her early 50s at the time, looked at it, and I can still see her looking at that cake, and she said, that is the picture of menopause. <laughs> and, and I thought when I look at that picture of my bedroom. Of that now every time I look at, like, a cake that's, that's been yeah, manhandled. Been yeah, so, yeah, it's um, it was just kind of funny to look at, look at that picture of my bedroom and go, oh, yeah, that's exactly what that is. Okay. <laughs> yes, yeah. yes, exactly. Well, and now you have this class that you're going to be teaching this semester um, to University of Alabama faculty and employees, which is a large it's a large lot of people. Group. Yeah. And you've had yeah. great response. And I think it's partly because no one's talking about it. So how did you start talking about it and realize there was a need or did you just realize in your struggles that you need to share with people like what this oh, is yeah. really like? Right. Well, it had been so frustrating for me and I had always felt so in control of my life and my health. And then as I was working with my female patients who were in this, you know, mid mid 40s, early 50s age range, and they were coming in with these complaints, and I thought, you know, somebody needs to talk about this because we talk about other significant um, stages in a woman's life, such as puberty, such as, you know, pregnancy or, for, or fertility and infertility, breastfeeding, um, but we don't talk about this stage of life very often. And so um, it's actually been gratifying for me and it's kind of given me this, I guess, next stage of my career is to make this be a part of, you know, what I make a platform about that, you know, we need to discuss it and we need to discuss possible solutions 
um, you know, I, I'm, I will remember for myself, I was, when I was struggling to go to sleep or stay asleep, I thought, well, let's just have, you know, that second or, you know, glass of wine at night, okay, closer to bedtime. And oh my gosh, I'm still up. I discuss it with my doctor and she's like, oh no, she said, actually that's impairing your sleep. So you don't need to do that. So, um, you know, having that conversation uh, with women has been gratifying for me. And I hope gives other women who are going through this some answers or some, you know, opportunities to give themselves grace that this will come to an end. And you just have to look for different strategies to get through it and realize that it will be a frustrating period in your life. so much for joining us for the Happy Eating Podcast. I'm Briarly Horton. And I'm Carolyn Williams. If you liked this week's episode, then don't forget to rate and leave us a review on iTunes and be sure to hit the subscribe button so you'll never miss a new episode. We can't wait to have you back at our table next week for a brand new episode. Bye. Bye. The contents discussed in the Happy Eating Podcast, such as advice, studies, text, graphics, images, and other material discussed or presented on the site or podcast are for informational purposes only. Content is not intended to be a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your mental health professional or other qualified health providers with any questions you may have regarding your condition. Never disregard professional advice or delay in seeking it because of something you have heard on the Happy Eating Podcast. If you are in crisis or think you may have an emergency, call your doctor or 911 immediately. If you're having suicidal thoughts, call 1-800-273-TALK, that's 8255, to talk to a skilled, trained counselor at the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. If you are located outside the United States, call your local emergency line immediately.